Coast to throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls off three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are here after a week of some basketball action. We're here after Christmas. Uh, Ronan, what's going on? How was your holiday? Well, I had fun. I had some basketball to watch on the TV, so I was very happy. Uh, good holidays, but we've had, we, had some, uh, we had some fun basketball action on Christmas Day. Yeah, so, so what do you do? You just peel away from the family, just get in front of the TV. I, I had to sneak it on my phone under, under the table. We're all eating... Uh, I'll eat dinner. I'm sitting there on my ESPN app trying to get some basketball in. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, gotta, gotta kind of wait until the, to the later games. So I usually have dinner kind of earlier. Works, works better over here, you know. So we had dinner earlier. So by the time it was around Laker, Laker Mavs time, I, I, I was good, good to sip away and just watch, watch the basketball. Yeah, I imagine there's not much going on at three in the morning over there, right? <laughs> no, no, it's usually calm down around then. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if there was no pandemic, maybe people will be out at the pubs. Uh, maybe, yeah, but uh, the pandemic certainly, uh, certainly led it to be, uh, led it to be quiet around that time. Yeah, we're still, we're still locked down over here, but we do have basketball to talk about. We have plenty of basketball to talk about, so much so that it's tough to even point at the biggest storyline because there's so much. But I think I just want to jump into the biggest thing that you've been looking at, and I want to know what's that? What's that? What's that thing you've been burning to talk about for the past week? I mean, there's only one place to start, really. It's got to be KD starting Brooklyn. I mean, it's the hottest story. It's the one thing that everyone was looking at. And, yeah, they're only three and two. Not, nothing too amazing in terms of a, in terms of the win-loss column, but it's just how good Kevin Durant looks after coming off that injury. I mean, it looks like he's never missed any basketball. I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared almost that either – He's going to have a massive fall coming soon, or he's just going to return to dominating the entire NBA. I don't really know which way I want to look at it so far. Yeah, I, I have to say I was surprised. There wasn't any thought in my mind that he'd be this much better than I thought he would be. I mean, I thought if he did get that, you know, 85% of his health and his athleticism back, maybe if he gets that, then the Nets have a chance. But I mean, the way he's come out and shot confidently and moved on the defensive end, especially, he still has that elite verticality. He still has that elite first step. He still can elevate off of a dime. Like he doesn't look any different. It's amazing to me. 
whoever he paid to help him out with his treatments, like they, they got to get that guy over to D Rose. Maybe you can get D Rose back too. who knows that, that I've never seen a physical recovery like this before in sports. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been unbelievable. I mean, just look at him stats wise. I mean, he's averaging 28 points, six boards, nah, over four, four and a half assists. I mean, the guy's not, uh, at the moment he's, he's, he's comfortably, uh, Comfortably close to averaging nice, uh, nice another 50, 40, 90 season. I mean, he's right there. He, he's yeah. right at it, right at it. I mean, and and the other question was, can him and Kyrie uh, kind of exist together on the same team? And uh, they seem to be having no trouble. Kyrie, 28 points, six boards, shooting 53% from the field. He's shooting 100% from the free throw line. I mean, and the, the biggest thing you look at is the game last night against the Hawks. Kyrie was absolutely terrible for the first three quarters. Then mm. he just says, okay, I'll, I'll start being good again now and, and secure the game for us. Scores 17 in the fourth. And the shots he takes, I mean, off the dribble, he's just the best. He's just he's just the best one-on-one player in the league, really. And he showed it in that in that fourth quarter. Now, don't get me wrong, like the Hawks don't have the, the most elite defense, but they were they were looking good in that game up until the fourth when Kyrie just started doing things that only Kyrie can do. That's that's the thing for me that is really interesting, seeing those two play well on the same court when I wouldn't really imagine their games to to translate that well. I mean, the way that Kevin Durant was next to Russ, I think that matches up in the way that Kyrie needs the ball and needs to create. And Kevin Durant does have the ability to play an elite level off the ball. And you can see that he can do it both ways he can take it on the ball when Kyrie's off the floor he can let Kyrie do his thing and space the floor and still be very active off screens and these two look like a match in heaven on the offensive end and the way Kevin Durant's playing on the defensive end and even Kyrie I have not seen this much defensive effort out of Kyrie since probably Cleveland I mean even in Cleveland it wasn't great but like seeing the amount of of defensive effort he's put in has been a huge sign for me that, that maybe they are ready to contend legitimately right now yeah absolutely i mean they've won three three of their first five and i think they're just kind of answering all the questions so far that that people had really and that's kind of the biggest thing and we all know that this brooklyn team is going to be in the playoffs but there were the question marks that 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 uh the media we and us had, had against against uh, Durant and Kyrie mainly. They're, they're answering them in the early weeks. And, of course, now they're down Spencer Dinwiddie, and now, now there's a bit more on, on KD now to, to kind of create, but he's shown he can do it. I mean, had had eight assists last night. The guy was lo- looking like it's uh, something that he's more more than uh, comfortable uh, to take, uh, take upon himself now. Yeah. And speaking of the Nets, on their injury report, we do have Spencer Dinwiddie out for some time. And people think of his name, they think of a really good role player, they think of a solid starting point guard. They don't really think of him as necessarily a guy that's going to matter in a finals game, but there is some question whether that is going to affect them in the regular season and even up through the playoffs, as he's a major piece of their depth, he's a major source of playmaking outside of Kyrie, and most importantly, he's one of their better two-way defenders. Do you think that this has any sort of impact on that? Uh, yes, but I think we won't see this impact until playoff time, really. 
I'd agree. That's when we're really going to notice it. Because, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is such an important piece to this Brooklyn team. And teams win your championships at the end of the day. It's not just individuals. Of course, I'm not going to say Spencer Dinwiddie being able to the same level as them losing Durant or Kyrie Irving. But it's this uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is certainly a guy that, Come playoff time, there's going to be certain games and certain matchups when you're just going to be thinking, watching the Nets, and as a Nets fan, you're just going to be thinking, God, I wish Spencer Dinwiddie was here for this game. Oh, yeah. But it was interesting to see Chris Chioza put in there, and he came out of nowhere. He was pretty solid in his in his time uh, replacing Spencer Dinwiddie. They have some guys. I, I mean, they have Torian Prince, too, who I think they ultimately might lead to trading. But they have a lot of depth here that is matching up really interestingly with the guy on the other side of the NBA, LeBron's Lakers. We're already having early predictions of who we're going to see in the finals. It's only been four or five games in. But the other contender on the other side of the NBA is starting to match up nicely. What have you thought of their squad so far? People are even talking about Dennis Schroeder as an all-star. It's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how far it's gone already. It's the way it has to go in the early weeks of the season. Come on, it wouldn't be fun if we weren't making these outrageous predictions <laughs> early on. I mean, it, it, it's been a, uh, been a bit of a weird start for, for the Lakers. I mean, they've had a couple of guys with some injury troubles. Uh, I mean, they've played LeBron in games when they didn't want to play him due to, due to injuries and stuff like that, but just the, the, the point on LeBron last night, 1,000 straight games with 10 plus mm-hmm. points. I mean, yeah. he was already he was already way ahead uh, in the realms of uh, straight games with 10 plus points, but now to make it 1,000, uh, pretty damn impressive. But LeBron and AD haven't even got going yet, and the Lakers yeah. are still sitting 3-2. and two. So, I mean, yeah, the, the role players, Shred has been good. I, I, I like the look of him. But, I mean, the scary thing is they're still looking fairly comfortable and their two main stars haven't even got going yet. That's kind of the main thing I'm taking away from the, the first uh, first uh, week, 10 days of, of Laker, uh, Laker basketball this season. Yeah, they're still figuring out their roster um, and they're going to have plenty of time to do it. We pestered the Lakers all year last year talking about how their lineups didn't work, their rotations didn't work, there wasn't enough shooting, blah, 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 and they figured it out at the end. So with a team like that, I'm not going to make any first conclusions. I'd say just off the jump, seeing how well um, Dennis Schroeder fits onto this team and seeing how well, at least offensively, you have flashes of how Trez and Anthony Davis can share the floor together. Um, But on the bad side, and I I think this is important, Montrez Harrell looks just as bad. Not that that was going to change in a few months, but now everybody's watching and he's becoming that guy on the floor that teams look for a mismatch. And you, you wouldn't have thought that last year until it was really highlighted in the playoffs, but the way that the Blazers were looking to just get him on a switch every single time, it's becoming more and more apparent that he is not, able to fill out a sustained role you'd rather have marcus all out there at certain times there's a seven minute stretch when they were playing against the blazers that they left him on the floor and he was just getting eaten alive and that ultimately ended in their loss to the blazers but 
they've got to figure out a way to rotate him in there and keep Gasol on the floor when games matter. That's going to be huge for them to get him to buy into that role. Yeah, I think that's definitely something I'm sure that they're noticing because, I mean, you barely, you, you only even have to watch highlights of games and you, and you can see that, that, that weakness in, in the team and, and, and the way that the, the, the opposition, especially, yeah, it, was, it was very obvious when they're playing against the better teams, a.k.a. the teams that they are likely to be facing come playoff time, they attacked Harrell. And it's just kind of the question of can they find a way to only have him on the floor when they're capable of covering it, or do they try and coach him just to be that little bit better? I mean, he's not at this day, at this stage of the game. This guy is not going to be anything unbelievable. He's not going to have some dramatic turnaround where he becomes great. But it's just that that's just the, the kind of the, the key they need to find is just finding whether it's better to try and cover up the hole with the likes of AD or Gasol, or do they try and work with him and just specifically on, on trying to just improve that side of his game? That's, that's something that the Lakers are going to have to figure out. And it's probably something that they have, they got time. They, they got, they got a few months. For These are easy problems. Yeah, there's, there's easy problems to, to address. Meanwhile, he does look really good on the offensive end and to maximize the amount of impact that you get from having those two guys on the floor in the front court offensively that could be that can be huge and they're, they're gonna be able to figure that out i'll give them more than the year i'll, I'll give them into the playoffs to fig, be figuring these things out um but the other team who had a lot of question marks surrounding them sharing that stadium the clippers who ruined their their ring ceremony we we're all excited about them uh beating the lakers and ruining that that banner raising that the, that they had there and then they turn around lay an absolute egg against the Mavericks, letting them score the highest, the high, what was it? The highest point total and a half by a team. And they did not look the same as they did the other night. Then they come around and now they're four and one. Paul George, I think looks great. Kawhi Leonard looks healthy besides the, uh, the bash in the face he took from Serge Ibaka. Guy was joking about having him on the trade block because he got whacked in the face. <laughs> and the pictures that they put out there like it it literally looked like the cover of a war movie the, the guy looked all messed up a little, uh, yeah. little bit dramatic it, it, it was a bit much and the, the, the face the face mask was certainly doing him no favors i hope it's protecting his face some way but uh, looks wise it's not much <laughs> it's not that it's, that, that would be the one that he picked out too that's a, <laughs> that's the new balance style face mask he's wearing there but they look good and i it's so easy to tell the impact that Serge Ibaka has on this team, who has just been constantly underrated ever since he left uh, the Thunder, I think. And the way he's just spaced the floor, been able to pass on the perimeter, and really just stretch it out for guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Lou Williams, the amount of impact it's had on their ability to move the ball and, and force defenders to defend the perimeter, it's been huge, I think. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been unbelievable. I think that was kind of always a big thing. I think everyone, when they first saw Harold leave, they were kind of questioning a bit, but once they saw that it was Ibaka coming in to replace them, they were like, yeah, this is, gonna, this, is gonna, this is a move that's definitely going to improve the team. And it's just, at the end of the day, it's all about having this at 100% and performing at the optimal level come playoff time. 
the, these teams know they're going to be in the playoffs. It's just the question of can they get things working perfectly come playoff time. They've got the whole regular season to figure it out, and the early early signs are bringing in surge and letting go of uh, letting go of Trez. Great move by the Clippers. That that addition right there, addition by subtraction, they immediately got better on defense. If Harold just left. Then you add in Serge Ibaka. He's clearly had an impact on the inside. When Zubats leaves the floor, who I think is at baseline a solid, not a great interior defender, he was the best that they had. Now they have Serge Ibaka. And then we didn't really, I didn't really think much of the Luke Kennard pickup, to be honest. I, I thought that was a, that was kind of a, a swing for a better playmaker and maybe be a little bit better. But although he's not lighting it up right now, watching the games, where he's basically filling the role um, of I'm, I'm blank. I'm blanking on him. They, they just got him over to the nets on uh, Shaman. Upgrading him over Shaman. That's given them a massive boost to their playmaking in a way that I wouldn't have imagined. And the things that Shaman can do, he can't really put it on the floor. He can do a little bit off the screen, but Kennard can legitimately force defensive rotations that Shaman wouldn't have been able to do. So just, just having these small additions and ability to move the ball, ability to have uh, guys who are unselfish with the ball, they don't need to score, they don't need the ball. I think it's going to prove to be over the course of the season, not just good for them on the floor, but for their chemistry. They're not going to have to to worry much about these guys who I think add a lot. Yeah, and I think uh, maybe as the season progresses and maybe as we get to playoff time, we'll kind of look at the impact of Doc Rivers leaving the team as well, we may start to look at it being a very positive, positive move from uh, from the Clippers as well. I mean, they know they wanted to win, and they like Doc was the coach there for years, and they gave him that year. It didn't work, and they made the they made the decision to to, to switch out. And obviously, working so far, chemistry seems good. Things seem to be going well, but of course, we're only five games in. We don't really know. But, what, what it's going to turn out as, but I mean, the Clippers made moves. I mean, there was a lot of question marks after the way they went down, but they made moves and so far it's looking like they have made moves that are going to really pump this team up this year. Another team in the, going back to the East, talking about these wings and I, I won't give, I wanted to give Paul George a little bit of a shout out and I love the way he's looked, but I want to see it halfway through the season now I won't I won't get too jacked up yet but he said a lot of it had to do with his shoulder injury and coaching which I wasn't really buying but to see the energies come out with has definitely been promising but let's let's see it let's see it the whole course of the season if he is OKC version of Paul George look out where we're it's not the presumptive Lakers anymore if, if that's a transformation that he can come back to but a different pair of wings that I'm looking at over in the East is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. First of all, we just need to talk about the fact that all these step back threes are just absolutely killing the way that I, I think we've historically seen ends of games be. It's just spreading out the floor and taking a step back. And it's so predictable at this point. We saw it from Jason Tatum twice. I mean, he hit it over Giannis. That was great. And then he clunks it this next game. And then you saw it from Karis LeVert too. But Jason Tatum had taken almost no free throws for, through the first three games. I think he had only attempted four 
by, by the end of the Bucks game. And it's crazy to me how that is something that Stevens is allowing. Like, how do you let that go on for that long where Jason Tatum just isn't getting to the line? It's, it's killing me. I think it's something that they have obviously worked on and they're just, they're just kind of letting it flow. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, we, I keep on saying it, but it, it's true. It's that the Celtics are another team that know they're going to be in the playoffs and they can use these early weeks of the season to maybe work on things that they've kind of talked about uh, behind closed doors and kind of give players a chance to kind of just play a specific way on offense, especially the likes of Tatum. I mean, this is a guy that every time I want to just be like, this guy is just going to be uh, your average all-star who's going to impress sometimes, but never really going to be able to take the team. He just keeps stepping up and proving me wrong and showing that this he could be a, a guy that, might be competing for MVPs. I mean, that's how good this guy can be. And with him and Brown together, when those two are in sync and on form, I mean, they do it. They can do it on both ends. And offensively, they're kind of unstoppable when they are clicking together. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's all you really want as a fan. You want your guards that can play two ways and be capable at the very least, of being elite offensively, and they can they could they work together very well. This team is keeps on growing throughout the years, and for me, they're only getting better. Jalen Brown too, he needs that that name recognition right now. No one's talking about the fact that he dropped forty two points against the Grizzlies, who are a good defensive team. Now I don't know if I'm buying this this stat line over the past few games of he's averaging 28 points a game 3.4 assists 4.4 boards and he's doing it on really good efficiency you see however that the way he's picking his shots the way that he can slow down the game and speed it back up when he wants to the physicality that he's had since day one he's starting to really round out and I think he made a big jump last year now that he's even more comfortable in this role last year, I think was one of the first times that we began to see him outside of that limited stretch a couple of years back in the playoffs where he is being a lead ball handler. He is trusted to lead the offense. This guy could vault them right to the top of the East. I, I don't know how big of a, of a step he's going to make, but if he keeps this up, if Jason Tatum keeps this up, they're a piece away. They're a piece away. I, I'm not, I'm not buying Kemba's health yet we don't we haven't heard anything about his rehab which could be a good thing usually you only hear bad things but another guy who looks interesting on the team is Peyton Pritchard super slept on rookie but he's looked very solid for them for a team that is desperate for solid backup point guard minutes I, I think you have Jeff T he looks he looks okay Marcus Smart is gonna be Marcus Smart, he's been solid his whole time, but you don't have the dynamic playmaking and they might have a guy here that you could look to be more confident in running your offense in Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, I think it's something that it would just be so typical of the Celtics. I mean, they always just, the scouting that the, that, that the Celtics have in place just uh, is just unbelievable. They if you're ever kind of thinking of a team to pick out that gem deep in the draft, it's it's I've always looked at the Celtics. That's just something that they're always great at. And obviously, we don't want to talk too early, jinx them or anything, but 
it's certainly looking like they could, they may just have done it again because he he has looked, he has been really impressive in the opening few games. And I mean, it's something that you kind of need that, 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 that little bit of edge, that little bit of something else to, 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 to add to that Celtics team. And it could be very, very big, obviously, as you said, if Kemba is not healthy. So what do you what do you think about another guy in the East? This is your guy. You picked him for rookie of the year. Lamelo Ball had 22 points, five assists, eight rebounds last night. Are you buying this? Is this a stat line he's going to be producing pretty soon? Is this just a blip in the radar? His three pointers were falling, man. He looked he looked like high school Lamelo. I I I I I still have no idea. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, it it's been a struggle the first few games, no doubt about it. I think it's the the question mark we all had over him was, can he knock down his shot consistently? And until last night. He was not answering that call. But last night, it looked good. And now all we can do, I mean, he, we know he's got the talent. He's, he's in a position where he's being allowed to make this move and take shots. So it's just a question now of, is this going to be a platform for him to really kick on as, as, a, as a shooter, as a scorer for this, uh, this Hornets team? Or is it just going to be a flash in the pan and he's going to go back to his struggles for the next three or four games and then drop another big 20-point game. It's just too early to tell with him, and unfortunately, it's been so inconsistent to start off with that I've been looking at it as as just a blip. But I hope for him and for the Hornets that this is the first step to him being a more consistent shooter. Yeah, and I got to say that the way that he's played is very, very convincing that he's going to be an elite player to me just the way that he's impacted his team the hornets are much more fun to watch not because the ball is just in lamello's hand but the way that he has almost like inspired his teammates to be moving the ball they've never moved the ball this fluidly they've never had this much effort up and down the floor i mean guys are looking their best in the open court that they'd ever looked on this team and i mean ju- just speaking to the stat line and his future um abilities I mean, there's a handful of guys that have scored 25 and five in their first four games. And most recently, you got guys like DeAndre Ayton, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, John Wall, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron. These are guys who early on in coming into the league, it wasn't that hard for them to do it. And they just did it. I mean, another guy who did it, though, was Lonzo. Lonzo Ball actually had one of these games against his win against the Suns his rookie year, dropped 29 points in a near triple double. And everyone was like, this is the guy we got him. This is going to be the Lakers star. And now he's on another team. So somewhere between Lonzo ball and Damian Lillard, I guess is uh, just right spot on with exactly how accurate I feel. Any of my LaMelo ball takes are going to be. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's, that's a good spot for him. I think that'd be a, <laughs> that'd be a play, place he, he should be happy to be. in. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's anywhere between a uh, top 150 player and a top 20 player, just somewhere right there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Who else you got on your list here? We, we need to we need to get into. I, I'm sticking with the East and I'm looking at the Cavaliers and I am looking at Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. I am loving the look of these guys early. 
Don't get me wrong. Not even half an hour in, and we're going right into the calves. Really, we got to get the sex in. Come on, um, <laughs> these guys have been hot to start the season. Um, I think the biggest disappointment they've had is the fact that when they went up against the Knicks, they didn't really kick on and just blow out the, the weak Knicks defense. But look at the stat line for two of these guys. I mean, we got Garland, eighteen and a half points. Eight assists, shooting 48% from the field, over 45% from three, and Sexton, 25 points, 53% from the field, and nearly 54% from three-point land. These, these two guys are still 20 and 21 years old. I mean, they look good, and something that I love to see, it's such a simple thing, and it probably doesn't really mean anything because everyone does it, but they really struggled against Knicks the other night and they were straight back out after the game, uh, having a shoot around the two of them. And that's that's what you got to do. I mean, that's what you got to do to to be consistent in this league. And they they I think they knew the way they were playing. I mean, the Knicks should have been like meat and drink to them. I mean, it should have been it should have been a night for them too to have fun and really and really take over. But they're looking good. Don't get me wrong. The Cavs are absolutely going to drop off from this impressive uh, this impressive start especially given that they their only loss is coming against the Knicks, which is never good. But these two guys <laughs> are looking good. And I mean, hey, the Knicks beat the Bucks. I know, yeah. We're the best team ever. What, what can I say? We're better than the Bucks. I know. It's easy easy to say that now. Huh? <laughs> Big, biggest thing, though, is the Cavs are being smart, and they're playing to Andre Drummond's strength. And I think that is something that is helping them kind of click on the offensive end. I mean, end of the day, Andre Drummond is a stereotypical big, an old-fashioned big, and there's no point in trying to get him to do stuff that he's not comfortable doing. But if you just let him play in the paint, he's going to score, he's going to get boards, and he's going to make plays for your team. And that's exactly what's happened, and that is why the Cavs have looked good in the opening few weeks of the season. I mean, if he can keep up three blocks a game, three steals a game, almost getting four assists a game, He's looking a lot, a lot more active right now. We'll see over the course of the season how how much of uh, defensive sieves out there in Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. He's going to have a whole lot of blocks or a whole lot of uh, foul trouble games, that's for sure. But I mean, I I didn't I didn't think we'd get into a Cavs team building exercise here. But I mean, how how long do you hold on to guys like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, especially if they're playing well, because that can't be, I mean, they're not going to ever survive on the court together in the long term. Do they sell off one of the two if they continue to have a good season and maybe they get a little bit more value to their names? It's hard to say because I don't think the Cavs are in a position where they think they are ready to really kind of kick on they're still sort of in a position where they're looking for a great draft pick. So I think they're still happy to just have these two guys play and hopefully bring them a little bit of success and just see how they develop. And especially coming into this year, I think they're more than happy for these guys just to get out there and play. And even if it doesn't translate to wins, I don't think they're going to mind too much, but it will definitely benefit them if, if these guys can add more value and then maybe even look, when it comes to trade uh, to draft time next year, they can maybe use one of these guys to maybe draft up higher if they're not happy with their position in the lottery. Oh yeah, that I would I'd be selling that in a heartbeat. I I still am 
wrapping my head around the fact that they had drafted Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. And then this year they had a, one of the, I think one of the best picks in the draft getting Isaac Okoro, who's really shown it in the preseason, at least he's been pretty quiet in the early goings of the season, but going, going off the calves, cause I don't, we're not allowed to go on the calves for longer, for longer than this is I won't allow it. Um, I want to talk about real quick, jumping back to the West, how bad do the Warriors look? Oh man. They look not good at the best. They look not good. <laughs> and at times they've looked really, really stinking bad. Their spacing, their flow, their defense, everything looks basically like last year. And newsflash, it's basically last year's team with Steph Curry. Yeah, I think, of course, they've managed to kind of have a bit of a bounce back. But, I mean, the end of the day, you got to look at one one man, one man only, Kelly Oubre. He was Clay Thompson's uh, replacement, basically. And uh, what did it take him to his fourth fourth game, fifth game, before he was able to... His first three, him? yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Kelly Oubre, he, he, he ain't no Clay. They paid almost 80 million dollars to get him on this team not just in his salary but in luxury tax uh penalties but he doesn't look the part there at all i don't think they're gonna ever get anything out of him and andrew wiggins on the floor at the same time just because they both can't space floor for each other and having him on the floor with Steph Curry was clearly an issue. And then what do they do? They tried to stagger Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins. Let, let Andrew Wiggins run the, the second unit a little bit. And he looked awful. He doesn't, he doesn't fit into this team right now. I'm not jumping off the ship of, of Andrew Wiggins becoming better as a player. So I think he showed it as a two-way player last year. But I'm not sure how much longer they let this go until they make a move. If they continue to play as bad as they're playing, do they pull the plug and think about the future? I think at the very least, they got to try and put together a package for James Harden. Not that it's something that, that the Rockets would go for, and not that I want to really get into all the trade about James Harden, but I think that's got to be the first step. Before completely pulling the plug, the first step has got to be thinking maybe try to put together some sort of package because – if they go one more year and hope Clay comes back, what what what, what Clay are we going to get back? So we don't know. I mean, they they they've got to they've got to make a decision. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's still early days. This team could could turn around a bit. I mean, Steph could just take complete control and just dominate, which he's more than capable of doing. But yeah, I I think the way it's looking at the moment, they're going to have to make a decision. Either we try their best to put together a pa- package to get James Harden in Golden State or they pull the plug completely and commit to the rebuild. Yeah, just looking at their games here. So they, they are 2-2. Two and two. They had first two matches real tough facing Katie and Kyrie on the Nets who just absolutely bulldozed them in the first half. Like you already knew the game was over. And then facing the, uh, the Bucks who were just taking no chances against them beat them 138 to 99. And then they had two wins, one which was the luckiest game winner against the Bulls going 129, 128, and then beating the Pistons who are the, at the bottom of the East right now, winless. 
So they're two and two, but they could come out of this next stretch looking real rough. They face the Trailblazers twice in a row, the Clippers twice in a row, the Pacers, the Nuggets, the Suns who are looking hot, then the Lakers, and then the Spurs who are looking feisty, the Jazz, Timberwolves twice. Like they could legitimately be like almost five and 12, 13 by the end of this first couple of months. They have a rough stretch ahead of them and We'll see how reactionary their front office is, but it's not looking good in the early go. I'm going to say either make a move for Harden or the Warriors are not making the playoffs this year, and that is a G guarantee right there. <laughs> well, what do you think about Wiseman? Can Wiseman, can Wiseman take them there? Uh, no. But I have, I have liked what I've seen from Wiseman. I think... Uh, uh, obviously only in small glimpses now. I've loved it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is that he's showing that he's got, got talent and, and that, that that would be a reason to be kind of uh, to peak, peak the Rockets interest if they if they were looking at a trade not that the Rockets are, are light and big men at the moment but he, he, he has shown uh, glimpses that he uh, he's got a got a potential uh, potentially big future in this league i definitely have like the look of Wiseman. yeah i'm really surprised and there's always rookies that that you're going to be wrong on and especially a guy like wiseman who we only saw a handful of games out of at the college level and the way that he's shown maturity i think is the biggest good sign for them is that he can hold his own on the court in a way that i think a lot of people were expecting he wouldn't just because of his lack of any experience but he's shown that he can show it on the defensive end and the offensive end. The effort is there. The mindset is there. The maturity is there. And then you, I mean, watch these highlight plays where he's grabbing shots out of the air. He's dunking over guys. He's going for rebounds that he shouldn't be. He's looking like we all made the comparisons. He's looking like an Embiid. And if they snap, they can snatch a guy that can beat and they can prove that he's going to be a guy like Embiid, then that trade is looking a little bit more interesting that you're talking about. Maybe they do have an outside shot at getting Harden, but you 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 wonder how how Harden will feel about that. He's He's been doing well over there in in Houston. Is he going to want to go over to the Warriors? If I'm him, I'm staying right there with the Rockets. He has a better chance the way they've been playing. Yeah, yeah that's true. But, I mean, him and Steph Curry, I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my god I mean, would you rather have steph curry or christian wood i don't know i don't know well yeah if you're making that <laughs> shot, i think we know where you're going but i think if you're james harden i think uh you're gonna you're gonna i think you're gonna be taking steph curry i mean right with our predictions christian wood is looking like an absolute all nba player in the first four four uh, games it's not gonna keep up but he is looking elite yeah, and I think that the most important thing I think for for the Rockets and uh, not just on wood is the fact that Harden is still he's still giving an honest performance. He's still there. There, he's still being absolutely dominant. He's averaging thirty nine in the two games that the Rockets have played. I mean, he's still playing at one hundred percent, being their guy. So I think that's big for them, just to know that he's not going to be a complete and total dickhead and start showing laxes in, in, in his performance for for the team. I mean, how good is James Harden? The fact that the past month, essentially, he's been partying and quarantining, barely played any basketball, and he just 
walks into the arena and just drops 40 points a near 40 point triple double like we don't value how good he is enough like people can hate as much as they want on his game and all that but this guy is a certified baller like he doesn't stop scoring the ball he doesn't stop playing the game of basketball no matter how many clubs he's been to the last two nights or anything he's going crazy Ah, uh, yeah, no, I think we 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 definitely we 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 kind of want to have this negative aura around his game. I think it's I, I always kind of have it in my head. I'm just like, oh, he's just this. He's just uh, it's because of all the shots he takes. It's the way it's the way he just dominates the ball. He he's not a team player and all that stuff. Forget all about that. This guy is arguably the dominant scorer in the NBA, and this guy is never going to stop scoring, no matter how little training he does or anything or how he treats his body, this guy is still going to score. But moving on, I'm looking at an issue with people scoring triple doubles this year. Two guys that are basically averaging triple doubles can barely get a win for their team. Nikola Jokic and Russell Westbrook. I mean, I always thought triple doubles were a good thing, but it's looking like it's uh, it's it's not been too good for these two guys. 18 assists for Jokic. I, that was his career high. And that's, it's not even surprising to us, right? I don't even think that's going to be the most that we see out of him in his career. Him and uh, Westbrook are definitely going to be competing for a number of triple doubles this year, but the Nuggets, I'm not, I'm not sure what it is, honestly. I I think they've, they've had a couple of tough games. Murray doesn't look like his playoff self, but I'll give him a minute on it. I mean, I thought Michael Porter Jr. has looked really good. I don't know what's, what stood out to you about their performances? I don't know. I think the, the biggest thing is Murray. I just don't think he's been out. Obviously, he didn't play uh, in the defeat against the Kings, was it? The last, the last game that the Nuggets, the Nuggets played. And I think he kind of just needed that rest. He wasn't, he wasn't, like, we were never expecting him to be as elite as he was in the playoffs, but he wasn't even showing up to what the level you've, we've come to expect from him. Like, even the levels he was at last year in the regular season. But, I mean, Porter Juniors look good. Still, obviously, not the complete package. He's still a flawed player, but I mean, I just can't be taking my eyes off of Jokic during the games. That's kind of the main thing, you know. You you kind of even forget about the rest of the team playing. You just eyes are glued to this guy and everything he's doing. I mean, stats wise, twenty four point five points, uh, eleven boards, thirteen and a half assists, shooting sixty two percent from the field, forty percent from three, and eighty percent from the free throw line. I mean, if he can get anywhere close to those percentages for the season, this guy's going to have a huge year. And physically, Jokic looks unbelievable. He does. He's looked a lot more athletic. He looks lean. He doesn't look like he's been eating pizzas for the entire offseason. Or maybe he didn't have a long enough offseason to actually pack on the weight he wanted to. This, is, this isn't even his final form. He's going to gain 20 pounds before the, the playoffs. But I, I think that... His play has been fantastic, but how far can he drag a team without the the front court depth? That's one thing I guess that's that's really stood out to me. Losing Jeremy Grant, who looks like trash in Detroit. Again, I'm gonna say it over and over again. That was one of the worst moves to the NBA. It sucks that he's gone. Mason Plumley, honestly, getting the deal that he did, it's great for him, but they weren't gonna pay that. But unfortunately, they don't have that same physical big anymore to anchor down the middle, to really pull guys off the screens, to defend the rim. And we thought maybe we'd get a little bit out of bowl bowl, but he's barely scratching five, six minutes a game. 
maybe they just haven't had a way to insert him into lineups just because he's so thin. He can't really do the same thing as Mason Plumlee, but their front court rotation is lacking. Hartenstein, who they got from the Rockets, he doesn't look like he's a, uh, a good pickup. And stealing out that, that front court rotation is going to be really important for a team that lost their two best defenders there and defensively at times just don't look like they're engaged. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of holes in in the Denver team. I think we were, when we were discussing them, we still felt that they had they had some moves to make. But I think the biggest turnaround for them is just going to be they can get consistency out of MPG and they get Murray kind of just bumping it up a little bit. He's still he's still been okay, but he's definitely not at a hundred percent. They get Murray up at a hundred percent. I think they're going to see a turnaround in that wing column. Mm-hmm. Who else we got? We, we got enough time here to maybe cover a couple more things. Again, we, we had a whole week of, of basketball to marinate in our minds here, just letting it all out. Well, we talk, we talk, we, we, we talk about, we talked a little bit about Russ and talking about the triple doubles, but I mean, I'm kind of worried about the Wizards because Beal is balling. Just now? You just started <laughs> worrying about the Wizards now? Well, I never, I never really cared that much. But when, when I'm seeing Beal averaging 30 points a night and Westbrook on the triple doubles, and it is not doing anything to help this team. They are 0 and 4, and the two guys, their two main stars, are just playing as individuals, really, it seems. And, and it just really is not working for Washington at all. Yeah, it's, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, I can't watch them because anytime they're both off the floor, then it's like out, outside of them, I'm watching like Raul Neto. Um, I, it, it, they're a tough watch. And I, to watch them clunk shots along with the Bulls, uh, that, was, that was a very quick switch for me. But just, just in what I've seen, the only thing that I have to say about the Wizards and Russell Westbrook is – Nothing about them, but actually about Twitter. Why are people just ruthlessly going after Russ for his team not winning? Like the fact that we're blaming Russell Westbrook for the Wizards being 0-4 despite dropping triple doubles. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard and and Steph Curry are dropping dropping a couple clunkers here and there, and we don't say anything about it. Like he just has to be the most like persecuted, I guess, player. Like he drops a triple double, then it's like, well, why didn't you guys win? Like it's ridiculous. I'm so sick of it. Oh, yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, we love to love uh, guys like LeBron, or not even LeBron, guys like Lillard and guys like Curry, and we love to hate guys like Westbrook. That that's just that's just the simple simple facts of it. But I, I besides that, uh, we we've had plenty of Cavs talk. If if you wanted to throw in some Wizards talk, then uh, you're gonna have to. I, I'm gonna have to crack a couple beers here before we get into something like that. <laughs> Well, the the the, other, the 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 big surprise story out of the East has been the Orlando Magic. Yeah, they're the only four and zero. Let's talk Magic. I'll talk some Magic. What the hell is going on? Four and zero. What a start. Marcel Fultz. He's shown it. It's only we're only four games in, but this guy is doing what he can to show he is worth that contract that the Magic gave him. He looks fun. He looks just as fun as last year, and he looks like he's doing it at the same capacity he was by the end of the year. He still doesn't have that shot back. But what I've been interested in is how he's been able to play alongside Cole Anthony. That in stretches that they've been on the floor together, it 
doesn't look bad. I mean, it looks promising here and there, uh, the way that they can share the ball and having two playmakers on the floor, um, especially with the way that uh, Fultz brings it on the defensive end. And I think Cole Anthony, I mean, he's shown that he also has some defensive ability, like hasn't looked great in every uh, match that he's had. Yeah, that's your guy. That's your guy. I'll give, I'll give it to you. But he's been fearless. Both these guards are fearless at the rim. And when you have the ability to drive and kick, it's giving a lot of opportunities for guys like Fournier, guys like uh, Vucevic, who's proven to get better and better at the perimeter every year. Um, I like what they're doing so far. And defensively, they're, they've been just as good as they were last year being a top five defense. Aaron Gordon doesn't get enough credit for how much defense he plays and just wait till they get Jonathan Isaac back. This could be a team that doesn't make it out of the first round, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I'm there with you. I think uh, I'm still not being there, having any confidence in them uh, causing upset come playoff time, but I mean, they just have just, it's just fun. Uh, when you see teams like this and you see guys like Fultz, I think, it, everything that went on in Philadelphia was just a, just a nightmare. But I was just seeing him out there playing his game and he's having fun out there. And that's kind of the biggest thing. That's what it's all about. And I think the most interesting I've seen for him is the way he's kind of backing down defenders and getting inside. He, he's shooting he's shooting near 67% at the rim. I mean, that's, that's kind of been one of his main tools. And I'm kind of intrigued to see if there's any way that this guy can improve his shooting consistency because then I would have a little bit more faith in the magic possibly being able to, to cause an upset if Marcel Fultz is shooting consistently I mean this this is this is a legit a legit player well I'll wait for uh for, to see a few more games before I jump off the deep end with him but real quick real quick your Atlanta Hawks we hype them up a lot and they're not really getting hyped despite the fact that their offense is top of the league right now. And their defense is also top five in the league, a defense that we thought would be terrible. Um, again, small, small, small sample size. We're not going to make any wide uh, assumptions right now. But given the fact that they've started off this well defensively too, I think bodes very well for them at least being an average defensive team. You can see it. Yeah, I think that's kind of I was kind of all you were, were expecting almost because I think they have got they absolutely have the capabilities of being a top five, top ten offensive team, no doubt. And if it was just a question of boosting that that defense up, I mean, don't get me wrong. Let's see where their defensive rank is come uh, come <laughs> maybe uh, March or April, and we might have a a, a different idea of it, but. They've looked good, and uh, they got Capella back uh, back last night against Brooklyn, and he he really helped. I mean, you just see the the moments where he's fighting for those offensive boards. He was going up against three different Brooklyn players. He comes up with the board. They get they get a basket. I think that's going to be huge for them. And of course, you look at Trey, and you can see the improvements in his game. He's taken less of the logo trees, the deep trees. He's, he's trying he's trying less and less to be Steph Curry and trying to be an effective scorer. He's getting to the line a lot, which is big, and he's making big plays for his teammates, which is uh, certainly benefiting guys like 
Reddish, who I've seen, uh, he, he's kind of impressed me. He's making some fun cuts to the yeah. basket on Collins as well. Reddish, I think, could be the best player on this team. Not right now, but in the future. I've I've not been high on him from the, his low moments last year, but after bringing down some more film of how he ended last year and just seeing some flashes. I mean, he had this, this one play where he had a breakdown dribble crossover drove baseline, drew the double team in the rotation, and he whipped a lefty corner pass. And just like, he has these guard skills that he can flash. And you pair that with his Paul George body. And he has these moments on defense. And it's just all flashes that you hope if he can pull that together, then that is a really, really good player. I still haven't seen it consistently. It's clear that he still needs more time. But it's promising to see him take a step from last year where he just looked so out of place and so out of rhythm constantly. I'm excited for this team. I'm excited for how they've started out. Um, but I don't see how much better we can even start talking about Trey Young. This guy is unreal. He's scoring 30 points a game. You said it. But he doesn't get the same sort of recognition for it as we would have given him a couple years back. All we think about when we think about him sometimes is just the fact that he's the guy instead of Luca, but he's so much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that's that's something that's going to be held over him. But I think he's people are starting to recognize more because he is improving his game, and I think that the most important thing with him is the fact that he's being that little bit. He's shown that a little bit more intelligence when. Uh, bringing the ball up the floor with uh, with his shot selection, and I think he was oh obviously he was he was close to averaging a, a double double in a, in point points and assists last year, but I think you just notice it on the on the floor. He's just it's it's all experience. I mean, this is still a young guy, but I think it's kind of fair that we we haven't really given him the credit, but I think he's gonna ball out this year, and I think he is going to bring the playoffs back to Atlanta. I think, I think he has a very good chance of that. And that's going to be the biggest thing for him breaking out of this, this perception of him. And I think he's pushing for it. I think that he, it's, it's worth, it's worth thinking about him making an all NBA team this year. Um, I don't know second or first, but he's got to be shooting for that in terms of getting out of this, this recognition as just a scorer on a bad team, but now to be a 30 point per game, 10 assist player on a playoff team, that changes everything. And we'll have plenty of other players like this. You, you hope that, uh, I was hoping my guy, Zach Levine might be in that same sort of position, but Bulls themselves getting off to a slow start. Let, let, let's have a little bad team therapy here. How, how are you doing over there? And you, you must be feeling pretty good beating uh, a couple of good teams there. It hasn't go, but uh, I, RJ, RJ is doing his best to make me want to cry every game. I mean, <laughs> he doesn't look good. He's not looking good. He can't get his shot to drop consistently at all. And I mean, at the end of the day, Julius Randle is our best player. And that, that makes me kind of <laughs> sad. If he was our two guy or our three guy, I'd be like, okay, yeah, we got something here. But he's our number one guy. And that's just, that's just no, no, not good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, their team, the way it's built right now, reminds me of the Bulls when it was like Nikola Miritich going off for like 30 points a game to 
to get us out of the uh, the top spot in the lottery. And there's there's just veterans on your team. You just want to get them the hell out of there. But maybe maybe you trade Julius Randle to some. Uh, maybe you trade him to the Cavs. Maybe the Cavs could use a guy like him. Yeah, well, <laughs> I won't be chatting just yet because he's kind of scoring all our points. But I mean, and on your on your side of things, uh, Laurie Markkinen is kind of being your main scorer. I mean, Levine and uh, and Kobe White have been struggling a bit. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they put it together. Billy Donovan has not pulled the plug as much as I wanted him to. There have been stretches where he just le- leaves the defense out there, and I don't know whether it's teaching points. You you show as many mistakes as you can during a game to show them, all right, don't do this for seven minutes at a time. But it's so frustrating to watch us go on like 15 point slides. And it's not something that our young team is capable of overcoming. So I'm not going to blame Billy Donovan just yet because we're playing like absolute trash. We'll see how he puts it together though. Cause I do think there's some defensive rotations that would work, but we'll, we'll call it a couple months from now before, before I start, going over some top 10 draft picks because I believe that both the Knicks and the Bulls will most likely be discussing that very soon. Sadly. <laughs> it's, only, it's only five games in and we're, we're, we're already, we're already uh, resigned, resigned to that position. But Oh, I'm, I'm watching plenty of, uh, of Cunningham over at uh, uh, Oklahoma and uh, I'm watching all the college ball. Jalen Suggs. Uh, there's a couple of guys that, you know, I can at least keep my hopes alive this season through every single loss. We got it. We 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 always live in hope where when when you support a team that's crap. Yeah, well, we've done our deep dive. This is our first chance to get through a lot of the different things we've we've been seeing across the league. Um, the season rolls on. We haven't had too many breaks in action. A couple of COVID cases here and there, but excited to get this back on the road. I think we've just about hit our time here. But what do you have any last quick hitters for us? Um gonna say um Dylan Brooks. I talked him up for the Memphis Grizzlies, and you know what? He's looking good early days. He's it's killing. it's he's killing. early days, but he's looking good. <laughs> and yeah, that that was that was the one thing we, we didn't talk about. Ja Jaw getting hurt. That has to be the one bad thing about this last week. Just so exciting to see him finally get back to the court and and just for it to end like that in the first few games, that sucks. Okay, Dylan Brooks, the heat, he'll he'll take the heat. What 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 jazz? What jazz on the sideline? No bother to him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, we'll bring this all back to you back in the pod in a few days. Till that time, enjoy the NBA while it's hot. You too, man. Happy New Year. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure as always. joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment